Well, there was more. What? Why is there balloons? There were just balloons that came up all over our Zoom screen. Is it because you said really big news? <gasps> really big news? No. <laughs> that was so random. Anyway, so I know it was like, let's go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was doing so well and I swallowed my spit. Okay. I'll edit it out. <laughs> we'll edit that out and I just keep going. Yes. I'm Charity. I'm Lindsay, and you're listening to Big Sister Small Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Big Sister Small Talk with Charity and Lindsay. This is our second podcast episode. So whether you're a repeat listener or first-time listener, we're glad that you're here with us. And Lindsay, tell us a little bit about what we can expect from the podcast today. Well, of course, we're going to start with our personal updates, and you'll get to hear a little bit about Charity's newest obsession of sourdough. We'll go through That's What She Read, where we'll talk about some books that we are reading. We'll talk extensively about the Plated Prisoner series, specifically Glow. We haven't got to the other one yet. So we'll talk about Better Hate Than Never by Chloe Leese and a couple of other books that are on our radar. So as always, spoilers may be ahead. And for our potpourri section today, we're going to talk about sibling order. Which is interesting. Okay, so let's get into our personal update. Lindsay, what is been going on in your life this past week? So it's been an interesting week. I'll say that. We started the week with a wildcat attack. Nice. Yeah. My was it a, husband, a wildcat or is it a bobcat? Yeah, a bobcat. It's a Kentucky wildcat, the bobcat. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 So wow. it um, was, yeah. <laughs> Go big blue. Uh, so it was attempting to eat our chickens, got caught in our electric fence. And so then we had to take care of the wildcat. Um, I think it is unfortunately still laying out on our on our field <laughs> so i guess it will be me right now? <laughs> so God, this is a genuine reaction <laughs> it's so... just laying in the field and if anybody didn't understand the thing is dead okay <laughs> <laughs> oh my husband uh paco he wanted to skin it but now almost a week has passed and it hasn't been skinned. So it's just out there for whatever animals want to come by and have a little late night wow. snack. That's okay, how we started then. the week. Interesting. Uh, we also started a 5k training program. So mm. trying to get back into running. I ran the Disney marathon in, in 2022 and then essentially haven't ran in the past two years. So, so trying to slowly get back into that and what a miserable week it has been for running. Cause it's been cold and icy and yeah, that's, but that's I've nasty. made myself do it. I also have been trying to be better about not eating out so much. So I've been doing some meal preps and I'm currently in love with Ken's Steakhouse Greek vinaigrette. Ooh. It is so good. It is so good. So I made these little meal prep bowls with rice and chicken, and I didn't know what I was going to do with them. And when I was in Kroger, I saw some tzatziki sauce, and I was like, mm. ooh, I love tzatziki, right? Mm. So I bought a cucumber, and I bought some feta, and that tzatziki sauce, and the Greek salad dressing. And when you put that into the rice and the chicken meal prep, oh my gosh, it was so good. But it's really I would eat the Greek. crap out of that. I mean- even like my husband loved it. I loved it. And the really, really great part is the Greek vinaigrette, which fun fact, Greek and Italian salad dressings are almost identical. There's like one difference, but is, is it an oregano? It's something. I don't know if it's oregano, but there's, it's one herb. It might be, I'd have to look it up, but it's so similar that most people don't make both. And so when I went to the salad dressing aisle, mm -hmm. there was all kinds of Italian options, but only one Greek, and it was Ken's Steakhouse, and it is the bomb. It is the best salad dressing I've ever had. And I'm I will have to person. get some. 
I'm definitely going to have to get some. That's really good. Yeah. So anyway, that's enough about my life. What's going on with you? Oh, well, I thought that was, I mean, that was not very extensive. (laughs) I mean, the Bobcat, the Bobcat was a little much, but in 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 comparison, my week has been pretty darn boring. I went to the Bath and Body Works semi-annual sale, got toasted vanilla and pistachio candles, which are my favorite. Otherwise, it's just been getting ready for the home visit that we had today. Tell us about that. Yes, it was our first home visit for the adoption home study process. It was nice. She was very friendly and we had some good discussion. She came in and looked at our house and made sure we were, you know, had a suitable environment and it went really well. It's so funny to me because I get word vomit whenever I get really nervous. And so I've been trying to do that thing where I go over and over and over all the things I said, <laughs> which it's not healthy. That is not something that people should do. Though. Is that not normal? Do normal people not do that? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't like think, other people I don't... don't have cyclical running anxious I'm thoughts. Pretty that... sure that's a serious anxiety thing. She's looking well. like that she's never heard this before, but okay, I think it well. is. I think it's just like a anxiety response, but it went really well. And she has to come back one more time. Like, I don't like people in my house that I don't know, but <laughs> which makes me sound really, un- which makes me sound extremely unfriendly. And I'm not, yeah, your any hospitality? Mm-hmm. I'm just, it, it makes me so nervous. So no, I'm would, with you. I'm the same way. Like I want to have a warm opening hospitable house. For sure. Absolutely. But then but then the anxiety that every time I invite somebody over, I'm like, why did I do that? I don't want exactly. <laughs> I have to clean my stuff. I'm and I don't I mean I know my house. It's not personal. I do want you no. to come. So please don't Mm-mm. take it that way. But no, it's not it's- personal. Like I love people that I like and know and even people I don't. I love being hospitable and hosting. I, right. Hosting. And I never mind when the family comes over. That doesn't make me nervous. But it makes me nervous whenever anyone outside of the family comes in my house and it's not personal. But she had a lot of good information that we hadn't heard before just about the process. And we got to ask little questions like what happens if we adopt a child and they already have a name? Can we change the name? What do you know? Those kind of questions. I am glad that that's over. And we did do a lot uh, on our house, just random things, organization, things of that nature. And so now my house is like nice and clean and that's a good feeling. Of course, now the dogs are going in and out. <laughs> the hair, There's... the hair flying, and the nasty weather, and the oh, operate. the nasty. Listen, there is nothing worse than having a dog in your house in nasty weather because obviously they don't use the bathroom in the house, and so they go outside to use the bathroom, and all it takes is just one small pee, and they're back in, and there's muddy paw prints everywhere. And I'm a little crazy, but I'm not stupid. And so we have a white rug, but it's washable. So I washed it, of course, before she came. And now just from today, there's muddy. Is it a brown rug? It's a brown rug. It's decorated nicely with brown spots. And that's why I had to be rewashed now. But you might I'll probably- be able to, to sell that online. You don't know what people will pay for. <laughs> like, like. A dog paw prints? Yeah, it could be art. Somebody would hang that up in a house. Somebody would. A rug? Yes. With with paw prints on it? With with dog art? Molly art. And he's like, who? Yes, it could have like a a little plaque. Says art by Molly. It's just Molly's paw prints everywhere. All over this white tribal rug. The the name would be Winter Storm. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm not going to wash it until after the impending doom that is coming our way, which I think is supposed to be snow. I don't know. I saw something about ice. I love yeah, weather. It's supposed to be real cold. Yeah. Like really cold, like zeros. And <laughs> I say zeros, like there's more than one zero, but <laughs> I think you know what I mean. 
pull days of zeros. Yeah, yes. it's supposed to be zeros. So and we won't be the only ones going through it. And I think the people who are like north or northwest are supposed to get, I sound like a meteorologist right now, but I think they're supposed to get like between 10 and 12 inches. That's what she said. And so. Do what? <laughs> didn't mean to but you just made it that's what she said joke i did <laughs> i did i did um, if we haven't mentioned this is an adult only podcast just adults only oh, she can't no, she can't stop laughing that was perfect that anyway was perfect. That was anyway. my personal update. And if we want to talk about my obsession, it's going to be really quick because this just happened. I say this just happened to me. Like it was something really important, but this just happened to me. I was scrolling through TikTok because apparently that's where I get all of my best obsessions. Sounds and I came upon the video of a woman making a sourdough starter. <gasps> and I said... That I didn't know you could do that. I said that will be me. So have you made one? No, not yet. I just found this. this I just found this. So give what? Me some, like, give me some time to adjust. <laughs> I just found it. No. So, so tell me. So tell me about the process. How do you make a sourdough starter? Well, I'm not. I'm not proficient yet. I watched a few videos. Of course, then I get on search and I'm searching everything about how to make this sourdough starter. There were a lot of TikTok videos on it. It's so easy. You just have to be very specific about watching it because you want it to be like a certain way before you use the starter because this is basically your leavening your yeast in your bread. And it's really hard, right? Isn't it an old tradition to gift starters yes, to yes, people because it's it so hard to to get I don't started? Know, and I don't know if they're faking me out or what, but they don't make it look very hard. They just, they showed you what you have to look for, which the video is helpful for that. Because if you're reading it on a blog post or reading it on a book, it's going to be tr a lot of trial and error because there's a certain consistency, a certain amount of bubbles, a certain way that it rises. So the video is really helped, but you just take flour and water. That's it. You have to let it sit and ferment and it has to rise a certain way. And then you only have a little bit where you can use it how it is until it starts to collapse. And then when it starts to collapse, you have to feed it again, which just means you add more flour and water to it. So, so. you're going to start it and then you're going to gift me some of your starters. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. If you would like to email us. I will send you some starter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't even have I was going to say, how would you mail people sell. sourdough starter? No, listen, people create this and then sell it. Why? Why New would side. you buy a sourdough starter? Well, it must be harder. It's like ancient tradition that it takes time and effort. And these aren't something that you come by easily. Until you try it, you may not want to knock the people who buy it because you... <laughs> You might be well, like, and it was kind of starter. <laughs> it was interesting because they were somehow drawing it out, and you reconstitute it. So I don't know. That, that already sounds too hard to me. I don't know how you reconstitute dough? Like I don't even know. Well, it wasn't dough. It's not something you can bake itself. That's not going to make you a nice loaf. Anyway, I, I want to try. Well, so if you're successful, you can gift a starter to me. And then you can open a sod business where you sell sourdough starters and Molly art and you could quit your job and work from home. Hey. And then when we adopt the baby, I can be like, sorry, I have to stay home with my child and sell Molly art and sourdough starter. Done. Life decision made. Done. I can't wait to tell Travis. I can't wait. I'm sure he'll be very supportive. I know. It'll be amazing. All right. I think it's time we move on to our second section of our podcast, the That's What She Read. 
Yes. And Lindsay, what have you been reading this week? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I do have some book news. Two things that happened in the book world this week. I saw this and I thought of you. I know that I've gifted this to you. The book set of the Carval Carval series by Stephanie Garber. Yes, yes. And she just came out with news this week that she is going to be releasing a new book. Okay. In that, in that series. I wonder I think, what the premise is. I want to think it's a holiday novella. Oh, okay. Does that Maybe. make sense? I haven't read yeah. that one. Well, there's two sets within the series. There's the Caraval series, which follows both sisters. And then there's the spinoff series with one of the character, Jax, who has the Once Upon a Broken Heart. So it's all within the same world and it's got crisscross characters because Jax is in the end of the first one and then he's the main part of the second one. And so her third book, A Curse for True Love, that's the name of the book she came out with in 2023. Mm -hmm. And I haven't read it yet. I saw it everywhere, but I haven't read any of those at all. So I didn't know. You should. They're really good. That's what everyone says. They don't have their... They're not spicy, but mm-hmm. it's really well-written romance. Yeah. And I love that. And I love fantasy. I love romanticy where it's yeah. fantasy and romance together. Those are some of my favorite books. So yeah, it's always been on my list. I think it's even on my Goodreads TBR. Just well, and I would somebody say could, too- if somebody could just take Kindle Unlimited away from me, I don't know. <laughs> you would die. I don't know if I just haven't read any books like that. But one of the things I really liked about Stephanie Garber's all six of those books so far is they're very unique. The premise, the world setting, I just haven't read anything else that's like it. So you should read those. Okay. All right. I'm putting it on my list. I also saw the new teaser from Sarah J. Mass. Hmm. From the book that's going to be released on the 30th, which I know you don't know anything about this because you have not read The Crescent City. It's on my list. Okay. So I'm not going to say what it said because it was a major spoiler for book two. So if you have okay. not read, if you so have. So I need to read them. Uh, yes. The Crescent City is not my favorite SJM series, but House of Flame and Shadow is the book that's going to be released on January, I believe it's January 30th. And so they put out just a thing on social media that was a major spoiler for book two. And so the controversy has been crazy about whether or not that they should have done that. Now I saw a content creator on Bookstagram who has a video and she said it's for marketing purposes. Before you go any further, I have a very important question. Yes. Is the book coming out on the 30th, the end of the series? I'm going to look that up really quick. Okay. Because it, with the book coming out and you talking about the spoiler, it makes me want to move those up on my priority read list, mm -hmm. but I am going to die of a book hangover if I read through the two that are already out, the third one that releases, and then I have to wait like a year and a half. Or two more years. Sometimes Sarah J. Moss goes longer than that. Yeah, so it's ridiculous. I'm not trying to be like a hater because I understand as an author, she has other things going on. I understand. However, when you have to wait two years for a book, it's freaking ridiculous. And I'm sorry, well, but. Well, I have to go back. I've forgotten a lot of the details. Exactly. Like I, might have, I might have the important overview, but I miss so much in the reading of the next book because mm-hmm. I've forgotten all the small details. No. Yeah, you're right. And I, and I don't want to do a reread. I don't even like Crescent City as much as I do the other ones. I, I, I want to spend my time reading other things that I've been waiting to read because you can only read so much at one time. And mm-hmm. so I'm not rereading Crescent City. I'm not rereading The Sky of House and Breath, which was the last book. Um, I did read it and I really liked it. I liked it better than I did the first book that was in the series, but I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to reread it. And lots of things happened in book two with the series that was controversial. So I'm excited about three, but I just thought it was kind of funny how people reacted to 
them posting. It was from Bloomsbury and Sarah J. Moss. It was a joint post all over social media. So if you don't want to know, don't be going and looking at her social media. Just stay off book related things until you get through book two because you must be talking to our listeners because I am not a social media gal. So that yeah. is not me. Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay will have absolutely no problem not seeing this. Moving on. <laughs> anyway. Let's talk about Glow, the fourth out of six installment from the Plated Prisoner series. Charity read this a while back. No, right? it's been almost, like, I, I, it has to be almost a year. Yeah, because gold has come out since. So there is another book out past this, but yes. we haven't read it yet. So Because we wanted no. to, to read this one and talk about it first. But yeah, so just to recap, spoilers ahead, right? So if you haven't read it, skip this part of the podcast. Yes. But to kind of review for Charity, this book picks up after the gold massacre. <laughs> of the book before where she kills Midas and floods the entire castle with gold and she can't control it. She's dripping gold everywhere, which is interesting because it's nighttime and she's not able to control her gold at nighttime. She only can make things gold during the daytime. So huge cliffhanger at the end of that book. This book picks up with that. Honestly, the first part of the book was really hard for me to get through. It was kind of boring. (laughs) So Slade saves Aaron from her gold massacre and flies her off and takes her to a new place we haven't heard of called Drollard Village which we later learn is where he got his nickname Rip because he ripped a tear between Anwen and Orea where they live. So we get all of that backstory. There's just a lot of building there that's not super fun to read. But then as it starts to pick up towards the end, he takes her to the capital of Fourth Kingdom and there's a lot of political pull happening from Second Kingdom, who's trying to get power, and Queen, whatever her name is. I don't even remember. <laughs> don't even. I hate her. Stand so her. Is it, say yeah. with a K, is, does it start with a K? Very possibly. The only one that's coming to, to mind is Melina, but that's that was Midas's wife. Right. Um, and so. this is the one that starts with a K then. Yes. I'm flipping through the book, seeing if I can find it well like i don't think Kyla, she, Kyla, something like that she's not yeah. in there a whole lot but it becomes more about her as the book goes on yeah she makes a claim that Arin stole midas's power and now that she's with slade she's gonna steal his rotting power so she puts her out in the kingdoms as a power stealer who's seducing kings and then is gonna kill them and that so is not Ravager, that is that is not our baby Orin. No, especially since the gold touch was hers from the beginning, but nobody else knows that because Midas was the one who put up the front of having the gold touch. So we watch her start to heal from having her ribbons very brutally cut off. There's some heartbreak as she and Clay try to wrestle with that type of heartbreaking incident but then at the end okay let's talk about the end so she gets brought up to trial and they call her guilty Slade's not there they try to prevent him from being able to come but he still comes in last minute and makes it but she's but she's of course he does and she gets put between these pillars that have magic around it that she can't get out of and it's sucking her power it's revealing her power so she can't use her powers in order to save her slade makes another rip and she falls into anwin so she is now separated from slade and he goes back to the village and he's going to go through his original rip to get to her but the rip is gone 
Yes. And they've been guarding it so, that whole time thinking yeah. that it was there and they were trying to prevent someone to get to it. And then they get in there and it's not there. And it was there the whole book. We saw it. Oh, um, okay. See, I can't remember. Power into it. <laughs> it's being there is what was keeping the people in the village alive. And so now that the rip is gone, the concern is not only how does Slade get to R and in in Anwen, but also what's going to happen to all these people who have been kept alive by that rip that he closed essentially in order right. to rip this other one open for Arwen. Right. So R not Arwen. We're not Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings here. I know it. There's a lot of weird names in this series. I want to say that. The Plated Prisoner series is the first series that I read after I read Akatar and Throne of Glass. And at that time, there were only two books out. And it has become one of my favorite ones. Only because I love the main character, Oren. Oren, however you say it. Um, so much. I believe that she has an amazing character arc. And she's still coming into her power and a lot of self-discovery and, but she was kept prisoner for a long time. And so to watch her slowly break away from that, I just feel like Raven Kennedy, who has wrote this series, did an amazing job showing her evolution throughout this journey that she's went on. And then of course, Slade is one of my favorite, my very favorite male main character that is the romantic interest, but also becomes a huge part of the plot especially at book three. Book three is one of my, which it's called Gleam. It is one of my favorite books, hands down. I just loved how Slade empowers her. He makes her realize who she is and doesn't push her. He does protect her and says, I will fight for you. I will be the villain for you, not to you or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's no, yeah. that's exactly right. Like, I'll be the okay. villain for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because it's not, let me save you. Let me show you what you can do until he needs to. And then of course he does come in on her behalf. But also one of the things I like about him so much is that he is very much a morally gray character. So overall, I will say that I enjoyed it, but it was more difficult to get through than the others. I agree. The third one is definitely my favorite, but I could tell that this book was needed for setup like that. You oh, know, for the sure. large part of right. the book was setting up what's coming. I'll be excited to read gold mm -hmm. and see what happens next. So we also both read better hate than never. By Chloe Lease. We did, we did. So, so you tell me your thoughts. Well, I'm not quite done. I have a few more chapters to go. I think I know where it's going to end up at because I believe this is an HEA, which is a happily ever after, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Most romance books that you read are, and this is a contemporary romance book. There are a few out there that are a little bit more dramatic that don't end in HEAs, but that's not normal. So, well, I... and just for clarification for our listeners, I am a avid believer in happily ever afters for romances, because if I wanted something to be sad or drama filled that doesn't end well, I experience enough of that crap <laughs> in life. And so when I read, I read to escape. I read to enjoy and to have pleasure. And I don't mind a little drama and emotional buildup. Like I love it when I cry, but when I close it and put it away, if it's not a happily ever after, I am extremely dissatisfied. And then I forever hate that book and that author, and I will never read anything from them again. So well, I don't know if I would go that far, but I do understand that's what where I am. I know. And I do understand what you're saying. However, I like my books with a lot of angst and heartbreak and I want it to, basically, I just want it to completely destroy me every time. Now at the end though, I do want an HEA. I do want a happily ever after. I do want the characters to be together in the end, but getting there 
can be rough. And I like it whenever it's just twist your insides. I mean, I just love it. Like that one book you recommended for me that one time where the guy dies at the end. And I was like, and then she gets put on trial and gets convicted for his murder. And that's how the book ends. And I'm like, no. that wasn't, but listen, that was a good book, but that, that, I don't care what you said. That was a good book. That's called there was sourdough. There was sourdough starter in that book. <laughs> there was no starter in that book oh my gosh full circle that book was called love's pursuit and it was by siri mitchell and it was set it was like a historical like a historical christian book and i say christian because that was the main premise of the book it was not the romance the main premise of the book was about how the people viewed religion within their society which they were puritans i believe and they end up putting her up for heresy because she starts having a different relationship with jesus in her book but anyway that was a good book Mm. it was a good book it wasn't a i i almost did not take book recommendations from charity (laughs) for at least a year after that because she was like this book is so good you're gonna love it no Oh, it's no, so I'm good. Not. Listen, there was one book that I read when I was really into the Christian romance stuff. I'm not really anymore. I, I'm just not. And so I read this book that was a, I can't even remember. The plot was very convoluted, but she went this whole book thinking that she was going to get back with her ex-fiance after he came back after being gone for a long time. And she finds out three quarters of the way through the book that he's married and he never told her. No, no. And so they, (laughs) so they don't, they don't end up together in the end. And that was, listen, listen, well, I don't even remember the name of it. So I have no, no, cause it's trash. (laughs) It wasn't trash. It was not that bad of a book. But when I tell you. That's what it he, sounds like. Listen, when he, when they were traveling together and he told her, which they hadn't, you know, this is a Christian romance book. So nobody had done anything that was unforgivable at this point. But whenever he said, I'm married and I have a child, I threw that book so hard. I was so upset. I was so Did you upset. finish it or were you done? No, I finished it because I was invested in the female character too. So, and how she, well, and how she was going to respond to that. I wanted to see where that ended up going, but anyway, so I like my books with a, that, that book I would not recommend anyone, but Love's Pursuit, I would, if you're into that kind of reading, because I very Well, I've ruined it for you now. So this is true. So don't read Love's Pursuit because you already know what happens. Obviously. Anyway, so back to Better Hate Than Never by Chloe Leafs. I love a good Shakespearean retelling. And Better Hate Than Never is Taming of the Shrew, redone, modernized, some twists. Not everything's the same. Should I have known this? Because I don't think I knew this. Oh my gosh, yes. Like, honey, even the characters' names are the names from the Shakespearean play. No way. Yes. Have you seen 10 things I hate? I hate about you. Yes. But it's been years and years and years. Well, there's, you know, Julia's cat and her sister is technically Bianca. And in the book, Bianca's the cousin instead of the sister. So there's some twists, but even the character names are the same. Oh, geez. (laughs) Anyway, there's even the paintball scene. The paintball scene was stolen like from, well, not stolen, but was borrowed and redone from 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just totally out of the loop because. Yeah. So it's like a retelling of a retelling. So anyway, I love a good retelling, but I have some opinions about this, but I want to, okay. I want to hear your take first. Well, like I said, I'm not completely done with it, but I can see where it's going. And the things I do like about it was I liked the chemistry between them as far as how everything's handled it moves along nicely there was a couple times where I was like are you serious right now but overall I thought it was an average 
way to write a romance, which is fine. I thought it was entertaining, but I wasn't overly excited about anything that was happening at any given point. Yeah. Okay. So this is a, this is a retelling where one of the characters has ADHD um, Mm -hmm. and the other one suffers from migraines. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have read several books where the main character has like a special circumstance, a disability, something that they're living with, you know, I've done autism books and I've enjoyed them, right? This one felt preachy. I got tired of hearing internal monologues about how difficult everything was for this character. Yeah. Like I, I was just like, show me, stop telling me how difficult this is. I get it. I, I get it. I'm done. I understand that it's hard. Right. Show me how this is impacting the plot because it didn't. It didn't it did. impact I mean, the plot. It imp- impact the plot. It did show some of character motivation. But like you said, once you say it, once you've said it, you have to show it. It was okay whenever somebody would acknowledge it because right. people should, right. people should acknowledge other yes. people who have difficulties. But I agree with you 100%. And I read The Mistletoe Motive by Chloe Lise for a Christmas and it was a novella. And she did a lot of that also in her book the same way. It was okay when it was impacting the plot as in it was impacting the characters. Right, and, right. And, but she also had to go on a little bit of an explaining journey. And I'm like, and, and multiple times, like not even oh, like, yeah, for sure. but like throughout the book. And I was like, we've already heard this. Right. Like right. it just felt like there was too much agenda behind it. it. Right. And it feels um, forced. Like when you want to make a statement about something, like you want to say, my character has this disability. My character has this disease. You don't have to go on and on about it. It's just not something that I think that you should do as a writer. You should incorporate that into your narrative so seamlessly that they understand why someone is the way that they are without you having to say, this is what I have and this is how it affects me every single time something happens. Yeah, I agree. And I know you haven't read it, but this is the second book from Two Wrongs Make a Right. Right. Um, I haven't read is, that one yet. Yeah. Which is the first book, which is about her older sister, Beatrice, which that book is a retelling of Twelfth Night. Okay. And, and if you haven't figured it out, the next book she's going to write is going to be about the other sister, Jules. And that's going to be something about Romeo and Juliet because that's her name is Juliet. Okay. So, oh, well, that so makes sense. I mean, I'm hoping it's not the tragedy version of it, but there's going to obviously be some retelling elements there. So now that we've talked about the things I didn't like about the book, let me tell you what I loved about the book. I think that this book had some of my favorite romance cliche moments. When I was reading them, I was like, oh, yes, this is like what I would imagine when I imagine romance. There's the the heated tango dance. There's the forced proximity because of the family. I even, I loved the paintball scene. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, when she finds the handkerchief that she had made for him after his parents died when they were young. And yes. he's kept kept it in his desk. That was really sweet. And I loved also how his first inclination was like, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to send her flowers and donuts because I know that I know that that's what she loves. Yes. And so some of those things like did the little butterflies in my stomach. Me too. Me too. Sweet romance. And I just remember there were several times through the book where I just stopped, put the book against my chest and was like, oh, yeah, I loved that about the book. I thought she did a pretty good job with the spicy scenes in this book too, until the real deal. And then when have it I was, got there yet? Um, I don't know because I don't know where you are. Have you have you gotten to the consummation? I don't know. So you may not be there yet, so I won't ruin it. But I thought she did a really good job with this one. And sorry, didn't mean to give you a spoiler there. Um, well, I understand that that's what's going to happen. I'm not, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to find out some more stuff that made me do an eye roll. I was oh, really? This is where we're going with this? And now that I've talked about a good thing that I like, I guess I'll go back to something I didn't like. 
<laughs> I felt like the book was really dragged out at the end. I put the book down somewhere around page 320. I don't know what chapter that is. And it goes to 360. And so there were 40 more pages left to go. And I was like, this is already resolved. Why are we still going for right. 40 pages? Well, and so I, I was know- like, maybe there's something I don't know. So I kept reading. And then at the end of the book, that was a waste of time. Didn't need well, I know last that however many chapters in, in romance as a writer, they tell you there is a formula. It, it apparently is a t- tried and true thing because most books are based upon this. And so you've got that, what they call the third act breakup, which is at the end, there's a obstacle that has to be overcome before that they actually end up together. And I don't know what happens because I have not got that far. I don't feel like it has one. Okay. And some of them don't. I feel like if it does, if it attempted to, it was so trivial that that's where my eye roll came from. You should finish it. I made myself finish it and it didn't hurt me to finish it. And there were a couple more sweet moments. So I liked the first half of the book a lot better than I liked the second half of the book. No, I did Um, too. And I'm definitely in the second half of the book and I already liked the first half better. I love though that slow burn romance where it's like, things happen and they do sweet things for each other and there's a little bit but hate it yeah a little bit of angst a little bit of back and forth and they're not just climbing into bed together like I like it whenever there's like a slow build up to where whenever they do end up climbing into bed together it feels like it means something which is why Allie Hazelwood is one of my all-time favorite because of the slow burn Oh, yes. Although, you know this, but I picked up her most recent one, not knowing she'd come out with one. Yeah, it was a YA novel. I was like, no, <laughs> Allie, <laughs> you disappointed me. Like, <laughs> I was, it looking, was cute. I was looking for a certain something, something, and that is not what happened. I hadn't read it. I didn't even read the back of the book. I just walked into a bookstore, had no clue she had released a book, saw Allie Hazelwood and grabbed it. I was it. like, it's mine. And so it's still a good read. I'm not disappointed that I read it, but I am disappointed that it wasn't what I wanted. (laughs) She wants that little something, something in her books. Mm -hmm. I read a book this week with uh, one of my friends from Bookstagram. Her name is Sam. Escape into pages. If you're on Bookstagram. She and I read The Predator by run it that's a pen name I'm pretty sure it was not something that I would recommend um not (laughs) not not, not for Lindsay but also the writing wasn't that great I hate saying that because she's an an independent publisher author and indies work so hard to get their books out there but I'm just gonna speak for myself and not for Sam but I wasn't I, I can't recommend it because the writing was just not there But the storyline and the content was there. It was mafia of the mafia-ist. And the storyline was really good. But I really enjoyed the the plot. It paced really well. And so you weren't waiting a long time for anything to happen. It was a true escape. And I believe that's a series. It's the Dark Verse series. And there's six books. And the first book's not got the greatest rating. There are other books that have much better ratings on Goodreads. But I don't think I'll keep going with that one. And I'm not in the mafia mood right now. So, But that's the other thing that I did read this week. All right. So what are you reading right now? Right now, I started a book yesterday after I finished The Predator that is called The Devil You Know. And it is by Veronica Eden. It is a college romance. So the characters are college age. It is a brother's best friend. Oh, I love those. And, and it's pretty spicy. I mean, the whole premise is pretty spicy because she's trying to get him to take her B-card. So Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so, that well, took a turn. The main female character is very straight-laced, very driven and goal-oriented. And she has notebooks and she makes lists. And so this is one of her goals. Is that because... So me. Kind of, yes. 
but I don't think that you, you know, asked anyone to just take that from you. No, so anyway, no, don't take it. There. You didn't have to take it there. Well, I mean, you just said. So anyway, she is determined to have the best college experience ever. And she's just graduated from high school. And so she's just get this over with. Then I can have fun and party because she's always been so serious that she wants to let loose. But it's a college town in SoCal. So they surf and it's got a certain vibe to it. Not a vibe I necessarily gravitate towards, but it's something different. But the other book that I'm going to be starting is Throne of the Fallen by Carrie Maniscalco. Sounds good to me. Maniscalco. I'm probably butchering that, but she wrote the Kingdom of the Wicked series which is a fantasy romance series, which I enjoyed. But then this is a spinoff of that same world. So I'm going to be starting that one either tonight or tomorrow, probably. So what about you? What are you reading? So I have started Chase Me, which is a Tessa Bailey book. Love a good, just quick read Tessa Bailey book. I have that Um, one. And then, oh, well, you should read it. And we can talk about it next week. Okay, um, I can do that. It's a quick, you know, Tessa Bailey's are always real quick, easy. Yeah, just they are. Enjoyable reads. They don't go real deep. I love those. And I haven't yet decided what else I might dig into this week. I'm still thinking. I'm going to think about it for a long time. Starting and finishing the Throne of Glass series. It's such a commitment. But it's at least so it's good. Series, so that, okay, it's so well, good. That's, that's, I do have a copy of Throne of Glass of the starter book for that series. So I might dive into that if I'm brave. It's so good. And the first book you're going to read and you're going to be like, why are they even recommending this to me? This is. But that was the same thing with Akatar. So right. I think I can get But that you just quickly. have to keep going. And by the time you get to Era Fire, which is the third book, you are hooked and you're hooked hard. And then by the time you get to Queen of Shadows, I mean, you're so far in, you don't even, <laughs> you don't even know what to do. You're so far in. And it will consume your entire life. Well, that's why I've put it off for so long. This has been. At least two, maybe three years that you've been recommending this series to me that I keep putting off. I keep shrugging it because I'm like, man, this is a major time commitment and it's a major life commitment. (laughs) Oh, um, You make it sound like it's like life or death or something. I mean, you can quit at any time. (laughs) Well, that's true, but it's not true because I have a problem, right? I am the person who will stay up all night reading. And right. suffer That's through true. the next day because I couldn't put the book down. I like, mean, that, I, then it will affect you then. But it will yeah, be so and, fun because I think that once you read that, we should have Abby on the podcast. Yes. We will just do a huge throne of glass, like three-parter. And nobody might ever listen to it because people probably don't care that much about throne of glass. But it is an amazing fantasy series and she loves it. And so we will have some great discussion. I would love to reread it. I just wonder if I need to wait until a less busy season of my job, Mm -hmm. if it's going to consume my life like I'm expecting it will. So I don't know. It's been on my mind since we started the podcast to dive into that. So we'll see. It's so fun. It's such a good, it's just such a good fantasy. There's so much going on and the characters are so good. And honestly, do you like it more than Akatar? That's what I was getting ready to say. I like it more than Akatar. I love okay. Akatar. I love the Akatar series. Akatar series is more, especially after the first book, it is more on an adult level. And Throne of Glass is more on a YA level until you get towards the end. So there is a little difference there because um, Throne of Glass was young adult. Well, so, so was Akatar. But, but then they switched turned, it. It may have they turned faster it. than Throne of Glass did. Okay. okay. Well, we'll see. I make no commitments. It's going to depend on my feelings. Oh, uh, no, my feelings. We are mood readers. Yes. We're definitely mood readers. I even say, I'll read this and I'll read that, but it could change at any moment. My TBR 
pile next to my nightstand is huge. It's like as big as my nightstand. I was so, going to say, it's so cute that you've got it beside your nightstand because I have an entire cart and five piles. So I probably have at least 150 books. So yeah, yeah mine's probably not that big. Mine's probably in the sixties <laughs> for sure. And every time I go to a bookstore, something adds to it. So that's why I'm a mood reader. I go look at my stack and I'm like, hmm, what am I feeling today? And I just- Well, at least you're getting it from your stack because most of the time what happens with me is I am on all this book stuff online on socials and one of my friends or somebody I've met or something will say, you should read so-and-so. You would really like that if you like this. And then I'm like, okay, Amazon, baby. Yeah. Barnes and yeah. Noble, my baby. Kindle, or even Kindle Unlimited gets me it's like crack cocaine to me yes they might as well put me on like a 10-step program (laughs) try to get me out of kindle unlimited i'll have to start like giving people apologies for the time that i've spent on kindle unlimited (laughs) it's a problem All right, so let's move into our potpourri section. Today, we're going to talk about sibling orders. Is there anything to it? With your experience, is there anything to the stereotypical characteristics of sibling order? I mean, my experience as a sibling. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it's true because I'm not sure Travis could talk about this. My husband is an only child. So he might not understand the intricacies of sibling order like most would, but he has seen from us the differences in the sibling order. But can you take us through a a short, even if it's stereotypical, a short run through of what sibling order is, means for each child? Yeah. So, I mean, there are some different theories. I mean, there's a lot more than I would be able to go into without pulling up research on stuff. Typically, it goes off of three siblings. You have the oldest, you, Charity, and the oldest is typically very responsible, typically very productive, self-driven, highly motivated, like a young adult very quickly, and then carries that young adulthood throughout their lives. Whereas the middle child gets a lot of stereotype for being wild. (laughs) They're the ones who don't follow the rules necessarily, and they just beat by their own drum. They often feel overlooked. They feel like they're always seen as annoying or in the way because of the attention that's given to the older and to the younger And then they're often stereotyped as peacemakers. They're the ones who have really good mediation skills. And then the youngest child is stereotyped as like, they want, they get some entitlement, some soft hands treatment, but overall do pretty well in their later life. But it's very self-driven. Like, look at me. Here's what I'm doing so on and so forth. What are your thoughts? Do you feel like there's anything to sibling order? For sure. I, I, I'm 100% behind this theory. I can see it in us and I've seen it in others, especially when I've met other older children because I'm the oldest of our four set. We have two younger sisters, Lindsay and I do. That's why it's big sisters. Small talk. <laughs> is because we have two younger sisters, Hannah and Abby. Hannah has Down syndrome. And she is 23 and Abby is 20. So they received a lot of care growing up. And I believe that it's different for us, however, because we were a different, we were not close in age. Lindsay and I are close in age. And then there is how many years gap between you and Hannah? 10. Ten. Yeah. There, then it was 14 mm-hmm. at the time for me. So yeah, it's a jump there. So it's a little different for us. I am not a typical driven, self-motivated person. I'm just not. However, as an older sibling, I do feel very much like the ringleader 
I feel very much like the, okay, let's get together. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Let's do that. So yeah, I get that completely. And I think it's, I agree. I don't think that it can be as easy as just, Hey, this is your personality type because this is your birth order. But I do think there's something to most people having some kind of, I mean, that's what stereotypes do, right? We just don't randomly make them up. They're patterns that we see in majority of people, not everybody. So there's always exceptions and stuff, but I think I am a really good example of this because I am a middle child and I do feel like I act and feel a lot like a middle child, but I was also the baby for 10 years of my life. And so I can see some characteristics of the baby deep within me. So like <laughs> deep I, within her. I, the last born, one of the stereotypes is they're very attention seeking. And that is very much me. I love to perform. I love for it to get attention. That's a part of my personality, but I grew up as the baby. But then I also see characteristics of a firstborn in me. And I think it's because when the two younger ones were born, you moved out of the house. You were still the oldest sibling before a time period. I was the oldest sibling living in the family environment. Mm -hmm. And that made me a leader. And that made me perfectionist. That made me that high achieving driven type of personality it's really interesting because I feel like I've actually been all three positions at some point in my life. That's a good good reflection. You had a good 10 year run. Yeah. For 10 years I was, then I was kicked out. No, I'm kidding. But, but not really. Sort of. Um, She's sort of kidding. But I was still young enough to then develop the middle child mindset because I felt like I lost all of that attention to the younger. And so that really perpetuated the middle child for you. But then I also didn't get the recognition of being the leader and the caring and the like you had. And so I I had a position and kind of lost it, which gave me that middle child feel. But then once again, because of the age gap and because of you moving out of the house, I can see that firstborn piece too. Well, I think it's interesting because if you look at it from the top down, you're looking at it as a whole. If you wanted to look at it this way, we all think we had it the hardest yeah because we've had these different experiences being that sibling we've had different encounters with our parents different things we've had to overcome and with each other and with each other between each other for sure I I was like the guinea pig I went through everything first and when you're the first that goes through everything you're always going to get the harshest it's very much like we're going to try this out we're going to try this punishment. We're going to try this incentive and this reward, and we're just going to see what sticks. So I feel like in that way that I that's very, like, had a, a different experience than everyone else did. And that's how all older children feel. Like they that re- is, very much do. That is just how firstborn children feel right, their minds work. And I'm not only that, but like that whole responsibility thing, uh, no one taught me this. Nobody really drove into my head that, oh, you need to set an example for your sisters. I may have been told that a couple times, but there's just something inherent in being the oldest where you're like, okay, this well, this is my position in the this family. Is exactly. This is my- and what I do here and the precedent that I set is going to make an impact on what happens after me. And I didn't think like that so much when I was younger, as much as I do now, because I'm an adult now. And when I was younger, I didn't understand things. And I was much more selfish as all children are and all teenagers are. But it's just so interesting how we all had these different experiences, but the same. Because we had the same parents. I mean, all four of us had the same parents. And I think that just goes how interesting humans are in general and human psychology and sociology, how we are in society, because like you said, we all have very different experiences and yet we find these commonalities in how we feel about certain things Mm -hmm. 
or we can have the exact same experience like having the same parent but to our personality and to our psychology it impacts totally it differently does. just totally different I do feel like it's different with us four because Hannah and Abby were born when we were so much older. There is a 16 year age gap between Abby and I. Until Abby got to a certain age, it was hard for me to look at her anything other than almost like my child. Well, because the gap was too wide. You never had the same interests. mm -mm, You never had the same. I mean, totally, totally different generation, totally different experiences. And then our parents had gotten older by that point. And so they had had different experiences between us and them. And so it just always felt like that she was my child. Of course, now she's grown up and she's pregnant now and married. And we can have a... A little bit more of a fun, friendshipy type relationship. Well, yeah. And now that she is older, the gap isn't as obvious because we do read books together. Our sister Abby loves to read books too. She loves Throne of Glass. So we get to have those conversations. She's married Mm -hmm. now. So we're all married and we get to have those marriage conversations. Mm -hmm. Like it's just been a long time coming. So Abby, we're so glad you're here. she even listen to this? I don't even know. Don't she's probably, know. she's probably like, oh my gosh, this millennials, probably what she's doing. Whenever we tell her, oh, listen to our podcast. She's like, yeah, cause I want to listen to old women talk about stuff. Yeah. But I will say Charity and I often joke about how similar we are. We're still our own people, but we think the same and we act the same. And upon further reflection and kind of thinking about this, I wondered if it was because I got pushed into that older sister. Maybe so. But our whole family, we grew up close. We stayed together. We lived in the same house. We had the same parents. We spent a lot of time with our extended families. We, We just had a lot of same experiences together. Whereas we didn't have the same type of experiences with the younger two. Mm-hmm. I moved out when I was 18. I didn't have a lot of time with Abby one-on-one in the house taking care of her. I did with Hannah more because I didn't have wheels underneath me yet. And so <laughs> I did babysit her a lot more and change her diapers. And, and Travis had not entered the picture. <laughs> Travis had not entered the picture yet. I think that that's a little bit of reason too why you and I are so close. I think that the theory is valid. And if you're listening to this, you should think about that within your own family. See if that sticks for you. And before we wrap up, we can't ignore two things. One is to dig in a little further about what happens when you do have more than three siblings. How Mm -hmm. does that impact, especially the middle children? Because I'm technically the first middle child because then there's the younger middle child, Mm -hmm. but then also the only child. So we don't know what this is like. We may have to pull in Travis as a guest because he's the only, only child that is in my close sphere of knowledge. They're supposed to be very responsible, very confident, perfectionistic, center of attention. They're very mature for their age. Um, I think really similar to firstborns. He is extremely responsible, very, very mature, very perfectionistic, but he's not sensitive. I do think that he's sensitive. I think he just doesn't know how to show it. Yeah, because he didn't grow up with sisters and siblings attacking him Mm -hmm. for singing Disney songs wrong. No, he didn't. So I can definitely see how an only child would be more sensitive to how other people respond and act towards them just because they didn't grow up with somebody pushing them over or battling to get like the movie or whose movie do we get to watch? They didn't have all of those conflicts to work through. Mm -hmm. So if you're an only child and you want to send us an email or a comment to give us some insight into the only child world, please do. That would be great. I'll post about it on Instagram and maybe we can get a little bit of feedback. But I can see the stereotype. I could see why it would be true. So we've, we've come to the end of our journey today. If you have made it this far. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're so glad that you joined us. Lindsay's going to tell us a little bit about our socials. Which is ironic that I would tell us about our socials, but it's all good. We have an Instagram account now. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Big Sister Small Talk. Um, we, we'd love to interact with you there. 
Um, we also have an email, so you can send us suggestions or inquiries, um, especially if you don't have an Instagram. And so our email is big sisters small talk podcast at gmail.com. Say that again, big sisters small talk podcast at gmail.com, which may in fact be the longest email. <laughs> However, it is easy to remember because it's just the name of the podcast. That's and what I was so, going for when I created it. She's yeah, saying, every, everything's she's, easy to spell. I think that's I'm, a great email. It is just really long. I created the socials. So that's why she was saying it's ironic because she is not a social media gal at all. So you will be interacting with Charity on Instagram and probably the emails. So just know. But if she tells me, I would interact. I would just never check. You could ask a question or give a suggestion and we wouldn't hear it for five years. Oh, do you remember when no, we had that No, no, I'm not that bad. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to Big Sisters thanks. Small Talk. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>